Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Brent, and I saw Wills. This is Nick, and I am currently mobile. And I'm Kyle. I live near a city of quitters. And this is If I May, episode 13. Let's go. So, Nick, we'll start with you since you are mobile. Yes, uh, currently I have made my way to Houghton. And I'm in the car as I am uh, arriving shortly. And, uh, yeah, I find myself in Houghton on a Tuesday because that's when the club goes up. Not actually. Um, (laughs) I ended up having uh, some additional time off with uh, HR taking too much time to process my paperwork. My initial start date was going to be Monday of this week. However, uh, when the paperwork's not done uh they have to push me back to the following monday so um one more week of vacation oh darn uh that sounds terrible Uh, and and with that uh megan and i have decided to uh head up to houghton as a surprise guest entrance uh we actually have megan here who'd like to say a few very brief words with us oh we got a megan wow Hey, 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 Megan. Ghost and I have been passengers on this Houghton trip. What was that? So, yes. Uh, Ghost and she are, are, are passengers on this uh, lovely Houghton trip. Nice. So, so uh, Houghton, up that's up in the UP, uh, there, hey. Up, up, up yonder, you know, up up here with the Ubers. Um, but it's been kind of cool. How's the snow? Uh, what's that? Brand was wondering what how um, the snow was. Oh, the snow is, is quite lovely. Um, you know, at this time of year, there's only three or four feet in the ground. Um, no, actually, it's, uh, <laughs> you know, of course, no snow. But um, it's been fun to check out the uh, what we can see, at least right now, coming in while it's dark, the uh, the damage, the road repairs that have been going on. Um, couldn't see a whole lot with how dark it is, but I look forward to seeing a lot of that. Uh, we'll see if there's any raspberries in the patch and uh, spend some time checking things out for uh wedding situations lots of research to do so uh partial partial relaxation and getting some fresh air in, in the wilderness up here and a uh, partial bit of a, a working trip so uh should be fun um but uh not a whole lot of time as we gotta get inside and say hello to my mother so with that gentlemen uh megan i and ghost will will leave you to finish the podcast godspeed thank you nick appreciate it uh we'll continue on and uh we actually have another special guest uh which you'll hear here in a second uh from the army so that'll be pretty neat this episode excellent awesome and uh have a have a good chip and say hi to the family for me will do <laughs> catch you later nick okay let's hit off some Zarubus news so big, big news. We hit an average of 15 plays per episode. Kind of a big deal. Uh, Brent, you got your, uh, this week in nature if going I may, on. Is that really, is that really a big deal? It's, I don't, I don't it's know. a bigger team seems so low compared to what it could be. I think it, it's a big deal. <laughs> Thanks Dylan. Well, we'll the, yeah, you're welcome. It's the, got the a stamp vo- of approval. So <laughs> the, vo- the voice you heard is, is Dylan. He's a special guest this week. Cause uh, Nick being out, but uh, we'll get to him I in a minute. Like we could have introduced that. We could definitely introduce that in the beginning. Ah, we it's good. Have made a special. No, 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 no. We're, not. we're, we're, right we're too far now. You do, you do. <laughs> All right, Brent, you got your, uh, this week in nature. Uh, what's that about? You got two episodes out now. Oh uh, yeah. I think I, did I introduce that last week? I did. 
But okay. episode two is up, so it's now a regular thing. Because two episodes means it's forever, I think. Um, could you, but, oh, oh, if I may, uh, could you please explain? Your... Man, this guy, this guy is good. Not seen, I've not seen it. This guy is good. He already he's, he's picked up the If I May part. It's like he... Yeah, no, I, I, I got it. I don't it. think he'd ever re- listen to the podcast either. I mean, we I'm have 15 it. views per episode and... It's, podcast it's is called If I May and he gets it already. He's a genius. <laughs> <laughs> okay, continue. Fair, Brent. Really, really figured it out there. Yeah, That was top-notch guesthood right there. I'm, I'm proud of you. Um, anyway, so This Week in Nature is something I do because I can very much education and nature is my thing. So I was thinking, why not make something with that? Kyle makes his 3D print videos that he does every week. Really cool. And I felt like I was kind of slacking. So um, it's a five-minute segment of different news articles I found interesting throughout the week. Actually, there's usually six. I throw in an honorable mention here and there. Um, but it's a, it's a fun little – it's pretty chill. I'm still kind of working on getting better at doing it. But it's I enjoy cool. it. It's fun and it's relevant to what I am interested in. So, it's it's a post. Uh, um, do you so you're obviously you're obviously commenting about uh so you said you, it's articles on nature. Um, recently there's been like a lot of forest fires. Like that's kind of been a huge deal right now. Is that like mainly what you're covering or what kind of thing? So it it depends. I usually just look up articles I find interesting. Um, an article there was one the first one about the forest fires and how a group of like tortoises there's a a tortoise kind of rescue and that rescue needed to be evacuated because of one of the fires in california so i i did an article on that which i guess is about the forest fires um i've covered kind of done a lot of seattle stuff recently because that's where i am right now and it's relevant to me um there's been a couple of orcas in the pacific northwest that have been having kind of a rough time with things so yeah so i think it's i've been uh, kind of covering that a little bit it's there's some random bird ones like do you know that they use lasers to fend off uh birds attacking crops now i found lasers yeah that's the kind of technology and science uh, five minute sciencey thing yeah it's yeah, so it's on. I know, uh, so- I know. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, With go the ahead. bias. I was. Um, gonna- so I was going to say, like, I was going to get into uh, my my topics later, but uh, one interesting thing that kind of relates is that we use air cannons here on base. Um, so like, it's just like, uh, I think it's, I don't know what they use for the air cannons, but it just takes like a huge loud bang, and basically it's uh, motion sensor activated. So like. When- there's birds or anything flying around uh, near the flight lines. Basically, these air cannons will go off and scare the birds away. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah, that's... um. So, I know uh, farming is really big use of, like, where they had to fight off birds as well. And one thing I had heard about before was uh, using falcons to, you know, natural predators of these birds to kind of have their presence fly around the different fields and scare them off that way. Uh, and I'd never heard of using like lasers in the morning to do that. And it seems like it's becoming more popular and I feel like air cannons will work too, but the neighbors at four o'clock in the morning might not like that as much. Depends on where you are, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. That, no, that makes sense. But yeah, but, around here, like air cannons work, but um, 
So do they use kind of like what I'm, what I'm picturing lasers? I'm picturing like uh like the Christmas lights where you set the thing out and it like shoots lasers out. Uh, yeah, like it, it, it's hard to get a read off of that from the just reading the article, but that's kind of what I assumed. I should try and find a video and post it on Twitter. That'd be kind of interesting. There you go. So Brent's uh, This Week in Nature you can find on either SoundCloud. Otherwise, he also puts it on the uh, Twitter for Zarubust. So feel free to check it out there. Uh, for me, I'm doing the 3D printer videos. Uh, this week it was, or this this Sunday it was uh, mic clips. I got the boom mic that I'm using right now. And the cord was going all over the place. So I just designed up and printed some clips to go on it to uh, help hold the cord in place. So it wasn't bothering me. And I think this week, uh, my wife is a teacher and she needs some dividers for her classroom to like divide her papers on her desk. I mean, yeah, you could go buy them for a couple bucks, but, or I could design them myself and make them look cool. So, uh, I think that's going to be this week's video. Uh, also this just in, if you, uh, want to, you can now support us financially. If you wish, uh, it's on anchor. I think there's like three different donation levels, one, five and $10. So, if you want to do that, feel free. You don't have to make an account or anything. It's just kind of signing up for it with your your uh, name, email, credit card info, that kind of thing. And then uh, if anybody does sign up, we'll do like a three uh, security number. Yeah, yeah, social security number, all that. Uh, we'll do. I'll do like a free three D printed something to a random person each month. So uh, whoever, if anybody donates, uh, one person each month will randomly select and send you a three D printed something. And then I think how big that something is will depend on what level you are. So if you like for some reason decide to do the $10 a month for us, then we'll make sure we send you something significant. So if, if the $1, you might look in a keychain range, some, you know, something like that, we'll figure it out. But that is now available. If anybody wishes, uh, you can find it through the anchor uh, website or, or go to our, or go to our website, Zarbust, and then hit our podcast page up and you can find it through there as well. So special guest Dylan here. So he's, he's been in the army. For about a year, about a year now, uh, he was a platoon uh, leader or something like that in uh, basic training. Uh, he's in the Airborne, and he fixes the badass custom helicopters that the uh, people fly into battle. So, yeah. uh, you want me to just kind of dive in right here? Yeah. What 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 do you do? What what's your, what's your job? What what do you what do you got going on in the army? Okay, so I am currently at my MOS. Um, which is my uh, military occupational specialty. Um, basically, I chose to become a, um, a, I guess, eight sixty Blackhawk mechanic initially. Now I currently work on MH sixty specialized helicopters. Um, but anyways, like he was saying, uh, I was a platoon leader in basic training, and that that's one of those things that just kind of happens. You don't really choose to be a platoon leader. It just kind of Things happen, and you get put put in that position. Is that, uh, a, is that an it, honor, or a, is that something that's like uh, a honor? Or is that <laughs> is like it an honor or a curse? I don't know. Like, <laughs> We're blaming you. Yeah, so like an honor sounds like it's a good thing, but it was a lot of work and a lot of stress to be platoon leader. I don't really know if it was worth it, uh, because uh, while we we're like out in training and stuff, people are getting... People underestimate how much it sucks to be platoon leader. Other people get to rest and stuff. So say we're out on a, a field training exercise, the FTX, and uh, and people are complaining about only getting to sleep an hour here, an hour there, and only getting like a couple hours of sleep. 
But what they, what they don't realize is that platoon, the platoon leader and our, my squad leaders, basically we wouldn't get any sleep. And, uh, and it was like, I would have multiple FTXs where we'd stay up for 72 hours at least without sleeping. And that was normal. So uh, it was kind of fun to be a platoon leader, but I don't know if it was really worth extra stress. But it was cool to like, I definitely spent a lot more like one-on-one -on -one time with the drill sergeants, which other, also most people would be like, why would you want to spend extra time with the drill sergeants? But um, they're people too. And they, they have like a, um, like initially they're up in your face and they're yelling and stuff. But most of them, like I said, they're just people and uh, they have to kind of act that way to get you transitioned in over to the lifestyle. So with the uh, so drill sergeants, don't... if I may, are the drill sergeants like yeah, yeah. the movies, are they older or are they like about your age? Like how old are your drill sergeants? Are they like the hard ass uh, old guys? Actually, they're actually my age. No, because uh, basically, all right, so let me kind of explain how do you become a drill sergeant. Um, once you hit sta uh, staff sergeant, um, after that, if you want to get promoted, basically you have a couple options. You could either go into recruiting uh, you can go into go to school to become a drill sergeant and do drill for a couple of years, or you can go to um, the schoolhouse and teach people um, your their like your MOS. So like like people that were previous staff sergeants, people that taught me how to become a 15 tango were previous staff sergeants that got promoted to sergeant first class. Um, because they transitioned to the schoolhouse. Um, so other people would either go in recruiting or, um, or they go and be drill sergeants. And some really like being a drill sergeant because it's, uh, it's only a two year quick commitment. Um, but you are also, um, your life, your life as a drill sergeant is very difficult because you are working from like your shift starts at like 4am. You have to have everyone up and like, added tension at 4 a.m. And a lot of times you don't really get done with your shift till about 9 p.m. So you really don't have a family life. Yeah, you're basically and, uh, up whenever the, like, the recruits are up. Yeah, someone's got to be there. So um, as a recruit, like, you have to understand that, like, yeah, you're going through this miserable time, but, like, as a drill sergeant, you're going through it as well. Multiple um, times then, in like, a row. We did get to, yeah, yeah, over and over and over again. Um and I did get, like, we did get some information, like, about being a drill sergeant from them. And uh, and apparently they, like I said, they work for two years. Uh, and they have a couple weeks off uh, in between the different iterations. So, basically, they would work for uh, 10 weeks. So, basic, basic training is 10 weeks long. They'd work for 10 weeks, and then they'd have a couple weeks off, and then they'd start another 10 weeks. And then basically, so they'd, they work for 10 weeks, and they have some time off, and then they just keep doing that for two years. But you can't really schedule your time off at all. You're kind of stuck at the the different time, you know, the, right. the, the cycles of people coming in. Exactly. And they did, they still, like, and they would, it seemed to me that they would rotate out. Um, they would have, like, time off, so they would get their four-day weekends once in a while. Um, and then they would just cycle out who's there on the weekends, except for like FTXs and big, big like training exercises and stuff. Uh, do they seem to enjoy it? Uh, yeah, um, there is. Um, oh, it was a little bold. Uh, there, there are definitely some drill sergeants that really didn't really 
Oh, Dylan, you cut out they're a little bit. Really like oh, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you now. Okay. Yeah, it seemed to me that the majority of the drills are actually they're actually really enjoyed their job. Um, but of course there was like one or two that were salty drill sergeants that were usually like the older guys that just really... give me more pushups. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was to be expected. Honestly, like if you went into basic training, like somewhat physically, like physically prepared, like if you exercise like beforehand, uh, honestly, basic training wasn't that difficult. Um, but obviously there, it seemed to me that there was a lot of people that went into basic, like straight out of high school had like not physically fit at all, had no idea what they're getting into and dreading it. And, uh, it wasn't really that case for me. I remember talking to you before you went or after, after you came out of basic training, you were saying like, because you were slightly physical fit, the physical part wasn't that bad, but it was more the, uh, uh, mental toughness. Kind and like yeah, that kind of thing that was more tested for you anyway. Uh, yeah, like I said, I really didn't get that much sleep. Uh, I had to be in charge, so I had to be like, I had to be the leader. I couldn't show like emotions. The I don't know. I just had to be the person that everyone went to to ask questions and stuff. Even though I was, it was my first time going through all this stuff too. Um, so it was a little like emotionally taxing on me, but. I was more like whenever we get, they call it getting smoked is when you like screw up and, and they, have, they make you do push-ups and sit-ups and all that. Uh, I, usually if, if we ever get smoked, I was more angry that, that people were making mistakes than the fact that we were getting smoked. So I really didn't care that we were doing all these exercises. I was more upset at the fact that people were making mistakes. Now, so, so you said that you went on uh, 17 or what, 72 hours of sleep. Um, that's pretty much a human limit. Um, and you've did that multiple times. How did that kind of affect you as the 10 weeks went on? Uh, well, like, uh, we only did a couple FTXs that after throughout 10 weeks, like only having a couple, a couple weekends where you're up that long. Um, it really doesn't affect you that much in the long run. Um, but I did notice that I start hallucinating around like around that time, about 70, 70 hours. <laughs> I start hallucinating. Nice. That's usually, <laughs> that's usually pretty common. Um, yeah. So it's not, it's not like, and it's surprising how functional you can still be. Obviously you kind of feel like a zombie, but you can still like get your job done. And, uh, it, it was kind of like an eye opener that like you can get so much done going through this. Interesting. All right, so I'm sure in the army you have a lot of rules you have to follow and whatnot. Okay, number one, what are some of like the stupid rules where you're like, I can't believe this is a rule? Like, are you serious? Uh, and then is there uh, any other rules where you're like, oh, that's interesting. Like, I didn't expect that to be a rule, but that one totally makes sense. Like, okay, like, cool. Like, I didn't see that. Like, you're surprised by the rule, but it, it totally makes sense. Um... That's, that's see that it's kind of a hard question um because kind of going into the army you kind of expect everything to be laid out for you and uh by everything being laid out for you they mean everything so um how so your room is supposed to be standard but it's not of course which i really enjoy um but 
exercising in the morning, most people would not expect it to be super like uh, super standardized, but it is. And uh, so say you have to like stand in for regular army. Um, you have to stand in formation, um, even like how you're supposed to stand up and sit down on the ground is the way to do it. Um, so say, say you're, you want to stand up, you're supposed to actually sit, um, with your legs straight and you're supposed to lean over to, uh, your side, put both arms on the ground, then you can bend your knees and you pivot and then you pull your legs in and stand up. Now it kind of sounds a little more complicated, but it's really simple. Yeah. When you have somebody but, uh, demo it, it makes like, a lot more sense. I'm sure. Yeah. But it's, it's like a standard way of standing up and sitting down and it's like, you would never expect it to be that needs to be standardized, but it is. So that's, that's one of those things that I'm just like, wow, are you serious? Like we need to do that. You learn how to stand up. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, like if you can think of it, everything is standardized somehow. So like, there's a certain way to like, there's a specific way to do push-ups. There's a certain way to do sit-ups. Um, there's a certain way to get on and off the pull-up bars. Um, and, and, uh, oh, and don't worry, uh, everything that, that is supposed to be step-by-step-by-step, by step by step, you have someone in charge. You're literally calling out step-by-step. Step. So, right arm, there's no right way, side. Right, exactly. Yep. Lean to the right, lean to the left, left, uh, or, uh, Stand on the pegs, mount, dismount, like everything is called out for you. So that's one of those things that like, you're like, wow, this is kind of ridiculous, but it's just how it is. And you just kind of get used to it. And Was there anybody that just like, didn't get it? We were like, oh my God, literally just listen to what he's saying and do it. And you're fine. Um, not really. It's, it's pretty straightforward, which is, which was the point. Like that's kind of the whole thing is like, you're not like, it kind of defeats kind of gets rid of the individualism when it comes to, when it comes to that kind of stuff, like you're supposed to be all doing the same thing. So, uh, we all worked. Oh, I saw you cut out there. I thought you were pausing. So we all worked at camp. Did you find in any way camp helped prepare you for basic training? Oh, uh, interesting question. Um, um, it's kind of, it's interesting. We still have like revelry every day. Like the, they have, uh, uh, raising of the flags and lowering the flags and all that still, um, marching is still pretty the same. Uh, I'll be honest. I forgot. Uh, although I don't really remember if we did many marching cadences. Um, but just like the tempos, like just came right back to me. So that was really simple. Um, but yeah, marching really stands out as one of those things that kind of carried over and, uh, uniforms, uh, making sure your uniform squared away every time you leave, every time you present yourself to the scouts, it's no different. Like we may have to make sure that our uniforms all squared away, all your patches are right. Um, so that definitely carried over, um, and meeting time hacks, uh, making sure you're at the right place at the right time. Um, that's, that's really important. Uh, that's super important. Actually, I think uh, that's probably the most important thing that carries over from camp to here, making sure that you're at the right place, right time, right uniform. That's that's like the number one rule. And like even if, if you go to like different units here, um, different units in the army, they'll tell you that the number one thing at that unit is right place, right time, right uniform. So with that, okay, so our episode right now, we're on episode 13. 
and you know that's supposed to be like you know unlucky number blah 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 was there any person that really messed up where you're like oh that's unfortunate that they're now having to deal with whatever they're having to deal with like what was the the worst thing somebody did to completely mess up that uh you're like oh that that was bad um usually it's drug or alcohol related some sort of uh we had one incident uh a guy was going through training released us early to go home and get food and uh and he decided to go home and drink and uh on the way back in he ran it he ran his vehicle into the guard shack like coming on to base ran his vehicle into the the guard like the the checkpoint oh no and obviously yeah and obviously they like pulled him out and uh and they actually brought him off to some jail, and they called. They had, we had to like call up our sergeants who were in charge, and they're like, "Well, it's Friday, and uh, we can't really do anything about it, so we're gonna have to let him sit till Monday." So he ended up having to like sit in there entire weekend, and he ended up getting uh, kicked out of kicked out of training and out of the unit before he even got to start. So, dang, that was kind of a that was a yeah, big mess up. That was a big mistake. Yeah. All right. So what, what's been, Otherwise, all right, go ahead. Um, yeah. So usually like the incidents around here are always like drug or alcohol related where someone gets, just does something really stupid. So it's usually like, it's really on that person. Um, there's never really been like some incident that like had, it was totally like not that person's fault. Like it's always that person's fault. It sounds like there's not really room for that. Like everything's so structured that there really isn't room for that kind of deviation of, unluckiness unless someone makes that mistake yeah i mean they make it pretty hard like obviously like there are there's some room for issues when it comes to like family and they like you have to your car breaks down or something and you need to bring your kids to school or whatever like like obviously there's going to be some issues there like that you have to deal with that comes first and like the unit and your NCOs always understand this kind of stuff. Like family has to come first. Um, but that's like a that, fairly standard yeah, job too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of how I look at the military as a whole is that like, like they obviously take family very seriously and family comes first. And I, that's the way I kind of look at it is this is a really basic, it's a job. It's what it is. It's a job and they understand that family is really important and they wouldn't have their soldiers if we didn't have family. Part of life. Yeah, that's a good point. That's so I guess what, what do you got for like free time slash what do you do in your free time? So because um, so, it's a standard job, are you like nine to five and then you got free time and you can kind of do whatever you want? Like what's your, what's your free time look like? Um, so technically the job is nine to five. Um, but we are, like I said, we're required to do PT in the morning. Um, so I have to be at the hangar by 07. Um, and then we have time. Basically, we I have to be there at 07. And then we work out. And, and they give us time to shower, get ready for work and stuff. And then we have to be working by 9 o'clock, which is totally understandable. And it's definitely reasonable. Um, and then, uh, and then yeah, we work till um, usually about 5. And then uh, I usually get home maybe around o'clock or so um, if I have to like stop and 
pick something up from the store or whatever. Usually I get home. And then uh, I have it's I'm totally I'm totally free to do what I want after I get done with work. So that's not bad uh, at all. That's really yeah. So what do you, what do you do for free time then on, on the base? Like do you just stick on the base and hang out with people? Like play some volleyball? Like what what do you got going on? Um. So I don't personally play volleyball. I actually really I mean, want I'm just, to get as an example. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know. But uh, it was an interesting. Like so there are um. There's bar leagues around here, which are not great examples, but they're they're really fun. Um, so I, I do really enjoy going and playing uh, like bar, bar league volleyball. Um, but we're also really close to Nashville. Um, I'm only about 45 minutes away from Nashville. But I like to go, um, I'll like shoot down to Nashville. I'll get done with work around like five. I'll shoot down to Nashville. I'll be down there by about six. And then I'll go down and, uh, and uh, I really enjoy racing go-karts. There's a... Uh, it's a really cool like indoor um, go kart track, um, and I'm pretty much a regular there, um, so I really enjoy going there and do you win? Blowing a bunch of money. Uh, when I'm racing against like normal people, I haven't really lost, um, but I did race in the league uh, this spring, and uh, they were they were really fast. Um, so. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. Yeah, they knew what they're doing. So uh, I I did all right in the league. I improved a lot, which is the big thing. So I'm really looking forward to. Right now, I'm actually currently missing uh, the summer league. I had to because I knew I'd be away for training, and I knew I was going to be missing too many races. So I didn't even enter the league summer. Um, but I 100% plan on, on fall league. So nice. that's, that's what I like to do in my free time. Um, usually, if I'm not racing. Um, I just come home and uh, and just chill out and play video games for a couple hours um, because I be better on like nine ten o'clock, so I really only have like a couple hours of free time and then I decide to go to bed and and get. Nope, you cut out again. Go. Uh, you there? Yeah. Uh, just kind of stop. Hello. All right. So. I know what you were saying, you had the, you had the training coming up and I know you, you touched on it with me personally. You talked about like, was it C or C? Uh, it was. So uh, I, I looked it up and I, have you seen the movie GI Jane? I have not. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like it's just like the training they had in GI <laughs> Jane. If it's anything, nobody's seen that movie. <laughs> uh, apparently no, nobody's seen it. All right. Quick rundown, G.I. Jane is supposed to be a movie about the uh, first female to be in the army or something like that. And so at one point she goes to the CRC, SEER training or what I imagine the SEER training would be. And I guess when I was looking it up, it looked like there was like different versions. There's like SEER, C, SEER, uh, like a couple other like different letters on the end. Like what is SEER, C, and then what'd you do for it? Um. So SEER, C... It's just kind of like the harder level of SEER school, A through C, um, and that's basically representing the level of difficulty. Um, and there is like SEER, I think it's a thousand or something like that, and that's just like urban training, which I really want to do. Um, but SEER C was just broad uh, survival um so SEER stands for survival, uh, evasion, resistance, and escape. Um, 
and uh, C or C is just basically saying that it's like the hardest level of it. Um, to be honest, I don't really know how much I can say about it. I'm actually not allowed to say. Okay, so oh, yeah, it makes sense. Kind of <laughs> like, do you guys like what kind of questions do you have, and all kind of like say whether or not I can talk about it? Okay, well, is this something that you're gonna like that is relevant to? You, you fix helicopters. Sounds like outside Nashville. Um, is that something that you're gonna have use of? In yeah, I guess. Did you sign up for the CRC, <laughs> or is it required of you? Uh, hopefully, I don't have to use it. So basically, uh, it's training. Uh, for say I get captured by the enemy or by some foreign country, uh, CRC is just training, helping you get through that situation. Gotcha. Um, so hopefully I don't need to use that training, but it's training just in case that ever happens. Um, and not super relevant for me as a helicopter mechanic because Honestly, I don't really leave the where I'm working very often. Um, but who knows? Like, never really know. Like, there's stories all the time of like news reporters and random people getting picked up for no reason. But even just really from know. you being in the army, if you did go abroad for whatever you know for a, uh, something, yeah. If then there's there's the potential even... where because you're in the army, you might get targeted to be captured or something because they might think you know something. Absolutely. Um, we're actually so like when we when I first joined the military and graduated basic training, uh, like all of us are feeling super hua and we all like are like super proud of like being in the military and stuff. And then after I've been in the military for some time now, like I've kind of gotten over that. And now it's now we're more taught like you're definitely better off blending in with other people. Um, so I no longer travel with military bags. Um, I let my hair grow out before I go on trips. Um, so we definitely blend in more. And that's that's kind of how it should be. Um, whenever we're going places, like you kind of want to blend in, especially after going through this year. Um, it's really taught me that I'd, I'd much, I'm much better off um, blending in with yeah, because you might be a target for somebody for whatever reason. Exactly. So, okay, so my picture of SEER training is they basically send you out. So what I've heard is they might, like, tell you information beforehand. Be like, remember this code or remember this random fact that might be made up or whatever. And then they, like, send you out in the woods. And then you literally just literally exactly what the survive, uh, evade, resist, escape, or you know, whatever it is. And then you just try to literally survive and avoid people as much as you can. And then if you do get captured, your goal is to not tell them what information you were told beforehand. Am, am I close to being on point uh, there? Well, I can, I'll at least explain. Uh, so, cause obviously it's not classified what SEER stands. Um, so survive, they're basically teaching you survival skills. Um, Evasion, they're, they're teaching you um, how to evade the enemy. Um, so we're doing basic land navigation skills, working out, working on navigating. Uh, resistance, so obviously at some point uh, you get captured and you have to, you work on your, your, your use your skills that you're taught and how to um, resist exploitation. 
Um, so wait, are you like forcibly captured or if your survival skills are like the best in the world, could you avoid the whole capture part? Um, I mean, we never got captured, but, uh, at some point you need, like you need the training. Um, so okay. you, you're obviously you're forcibly captured and honestly I would want to be anyway. Like I wouldn't want to go through this training and not capture like you want that. Yeah. You want that part of the training. Exactly. And then, uh, and then escape was just kind of like making, uh, plans to escape, uh, captivity, uh, tie the yeah, bed sheets together until I can get right. Coming up with a plan. <laughs> like it was really interesting, uh, here. Cause the thing is like you, you, you laugh at that, but like if you're in captivity for six years, like you can really come up with some creative ways to escape. Um, and it was amazing, like how many stories I heard of people like digging tunnels with like an MRE spoon, like Dang. you have that much, you have, imagine how much, like imagine being in captivity, captivity for six years. Like that's like right now it's just like, it's six years. But if you imagine, like, just take a moment and like, imagine six years of your life. Yeah. You got six years to spot, do, figure like, something out. Yeah. And like some people were captive for even longer than six years. Like you could dig a pretty long tunnel with an MRE spoon in six years. Yeah. That's a long time. <laughs> have you, have you ever really seen a long time? Have you ever seen the uh, show Hogan's heroes? Uh, I've not. It, it's, 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 it's an older the, show. Uh, the references no one knows. Yeah. Right. It's an older show based in world war two. And it's, uh, these Americans that are in this, uh, like Nazi camp. And basically they undermine the entire camp. They're basically running the camp, but their goal, they make the Nazi leaders think that they're still running the camp. It's a comedy, but it's pretty funny. And they have like a whole huge system set up underneath. Like literally they could escape anytime they want, but they just stay there to get information and send it out and in. I actually might, it sounds really interesting. And I'd actually, I think we watched it at at the camp a couple of times. Sure. I feel like the hardest part about escaping with a tunnel is keeping it concealed. Um, but I guess every situation, I don't, I don't really have much of an understanding of what it would be like to actually be captured. Apparently, Did you feel like after the training, you got the that feeling? Uh, can you explain that one more time? I, I do you like? Do you feel like after that training, you got the feeling like you understand what it would be like to be captured potentially, and you understand like. Yeah, it was, I did. Um, I definitely got that feeling and at the, at, uh, I don't really know if I want to spoil the ending, <laughs> but it, I, all I can say is that it was like really emotional and it like, it definitely made me, uh, respect POWs, uh, to, at a whole new level. Um, like I, I definitely wanted to invest money and get a really nice, like, uh, POW MIA flag important. And I feel like that's one of those things that people don't really uh, understand and they don't really, they can't even like imagine what people go through as POWs um, because it's just like, I, I can't even describe like their life and then, and then to come home after that and, uh, I'm a U.S. citizen after that and just be able to go back to a normal lifestyle is also pretty unbelievable. Um, like even, even now I still have, um, dreams. I'm still like dreaming and my training was over a week, like two weeks ago. 
when I when I finish this training and I still have dreams that kind of wake me up in the middle of the night that I, where I dream about like my just couple days as a POW and I can't even imagine people being POWs for years and having to come and then coming home and kind of re like I don't know becoming a U.S. citizen again like I can't even imagine what they have to go through. Yeah, definitely mad respect to those guys. I know, like, in general, like, World War II, not that many American soldiers or soldiers in general really came home, so they didn't have to deal with the whole PTSD thing, and plus they didn't fully, like, understand it at the time. But now, like, especially after the most recent wars in Iran and Iraq and the Middle East in general, there's a lot higher survival rate, so it's a much bigger deal nowadays than it ever was before. So it it, yeah. it definitely is something that people have to respect. And really that's where more support towards soldiers should go, in my opinion. Yeah, I feel like a lot of it's a, kind of a mental health issue as well. Yeah. Like you said about basic training, a lot of the problem wasn't to say the physical, it was the, the mental health strain. And I imagine being actually a prisoner. Would be or just in war in general pressure. too. True, true. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't I haven't been deployed, so I don't really know what it's like overseas. Sure, I will soon. Um, so I haven't hit that milestone in my career, but I could I could see how it would be very taxing on people, especially uh, regular army, um, normal deployment for nine months, and I can't. I was just talking to one of my coworkers today about this that. I can't imagine having little kids and being in the military and leaving my family, coming back and having my kids like two years older or like a year older. Yeah, even nine months older. Like that's a big chunk of time out of a kid's life. Like imagine leaving your family and your your daughter or son is crawling on the ground come back and they're like walking around talking like I would be crying. That'd be crazy. Like those are, so I got, I got mad respect for, for people that can that. And it's, it's such a sacrifice for your family. Like I can't, I can't even imagine the, the, the stress that it puts on people being overseas for nine months when we have family back home. Yeah. As, as a guy, you don't ever, uh, like to admit uh, tearing up at all, but those videos on YouTube of like the soldiers coming back, those, those always hit you right, right where, right where it gets that to you. Get me. Oh yeah. Uh, all right. So with that, thank sorry, you Dylan sorry. for popping on. Appreciate you kind of filling yeah. in for Nick a little bit, shooting, like h- hanging out with us, chanting it up. I guess with that, Absolutely. we can go to, we, we got a couple other of our life updates. Feel free to stick around and comment in as you want. I know Brent's, uh, you're looking at potentially getting Nick on the phone for a little bit here. We'll see if we can get him on the line. Uh, otherwise, uh, for me, for my life update, uh, we ended up not going camping this last weekend. Um, Juliana got home a little late on Friday night. And then so we were like, okay, we'll just go to, um, there's a couple, there's two 14ers. That's what they call the uh, mountains in Colorado that uh, are greater than 14,000 feet. Uh, there's two of them that you can drive to the top of. And one of them was apparently free or cheaper or something like that. It was only like 15 bucks to go to the top of. 
Uh, and so we were going to do that. But then like, as we were on our way driving there, I was like looking up reviews and stuff and they're like, go there right away in the morning. Like, don't wait. It gets crazy. And then we saw that like on the Google maps, it was like crazy red traffic. Cause we we're like, Oh, we'll go see the sunset on top of the mountain. Great idea. Right. Uh, pretty much Everyone everybody online's like go right away in the morning. Like it gets crazy really fast and it doesn't stop until it gets dark. So it was like, that's, eh. a, that's a Seattle thing too. Yeah. Um, if you want to go on a big hike, you leave early. Otherwise you won't even get parking. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what I was reading. So we're like, uh, so we pulled an audible and we ended up going to an arcade. So we actually, uh, we went to an arcade and, uh, the complete opposite of a hike, yeah, up, right? <laughs> hike up the mountain. <laughs> nah, nah, we'll go to an arcade. But yeah. It was kind of cool. They had a, they had pretty much every single like game system available with a bunch of games. And they also had like, I don't know, 25, 30, uh, arcade games that you could play. It was like seven bucks to get in and you could just play whatever you wanted. So that was kind of cool. They had a couple older ones, a couple newer ones. Um, that was kind of neat. Uh, and the other thing is we were potentially thinking about going camping. And then the other thing we noticed when I was reading stuff is that apparently around Colorado, vast majority of the camping is kind of like show up and kind of live your life kind of thing. Uh, meaning there's like no supplies for you, like water or bathrooms or anything like that. So we need to buy ourselves a camping shovel and a water filter, a shovel to dig out where you're going to go poop and then a water filter to actually get drinkable water. Thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. So <laughs> you're welcome. I, I, I didn't put that together. <laughs> Appreciate it. I was happily just thinking you were going to like shove up a little fire pit or something. That too. Uh, apparently there's oh, typically gotta, fire pits. Gotta dig out your uh, your poop hole, your latrine. Yeah. yeah apparently, the other option is so getting bad. like one of the you can get like bags that have special gel in them, and then you put like there's like collapsible toilets you can set the bag up in, and then you whenever you have poop to number two, yeah, you number two into the bag and then pee on a tree, and then the the bag it gels up or whatever, and then you just throw it out like a dog poop, I guess. That's too smelly. I don't want. We went hiking with our dog and uh, instead of just letting the dog poop in the woods like normal animals we decided to pick it up halfway through our hike and having to carry that all the way back <laughs> so nope. bad in the backpack oh yeah i think i think we're gonna start the first yeah. time so this weekend we're going to the uh, bears broncos uh preseason game in, De- in uh, denver hopefully uh we'll get to see the broncos beat the bears it doesn't really matter. It's a preseason. It doesn't matter. It's also like, I mean, there's a slight pride of, yeah, our third and fourth stringers can beat your third and fourth stringers. But yeah, so that'll be, that'll be fun. But hopefully one of these weekends before summer's over, we'll have to go camping and uh, I'm excited. You're a Broncos fan now? Well, our so like, I'm definitely, I mean, he lives there. Yeah. Our <laughs> Broncos, come on. You've lived there for like a month. I'm not hard you know, Broncos. But I'm definitely anti bears. Your new team. Yeah, that is true. Wow. That that's for sure. Yeah, anti bears <laughs> is fair, but I'm not rooting for the Seahawks. Let's just <laughs> you can root for the Seahawks as long as they're not playing the Packers. Uh uh-uh. uh No. Hold on. Hold on. No, what is the difference, no. Brent? Hold on. All right. So you're rooting, you're a Seahawks fan, but how long have you lived in with? I'm not a Seahawks fan. I refuse to root for them. I hate the Seahawks. Oh, okay. Okay. I just had yeah. to clarify. <laughs> yeah. I I also dislike the Broncos. So there's how, that too. What is there to dislike Bison. about the Broncos? They're not in the same conference as Packers. 
don't like their logo. Peyton Manning. You don't like their logo. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Bronco. It, it, it's important, okay? <laughs> I don't know where the Bronco thing come from. came from. West? Back in the day, back in the, the Denver Plains, the Broncos roamed. I, I can actually see that. Denver is really flat. I ain't seen no Bronco out here. Yeah, oh. Back in the day before there was like civilization. So one thing I'm definitely, I I theoretically had mentioned in the intro is uh, I live in a city of quitters or near city anyway. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I meant to ask you about that. Yeah, yeah. That about? So like, okay, it's all the people traveling west and then they got to the mountain and they're like, oh, no, screw that. And they just stopped and they're like, we'll just, we'll just stop right here. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, uh, you look at that they're like, nah. <laughs> yeah, they're they're on their, their horse and buggy and whatnot, and they get to like, ah, yeah, yeah, maybe not. Yeah, screw that. <laughs> I don't know, I we're we're good here. Population died. What was that, Brent? Have you ever played the Oregon Trail? That stuff's not easy. Yeah, whole dysentery gets to you every time. It's not fun. Uh, all right, Brent. What do you what do you got going on? What's what's what what are you doing? So in uh, the nature news or this week in nature news that nature podcast I've been working on, I talked a few articles about um, this whale watch, this, this orca pod that's been swimming in the Northwest. And uh, we had some in-laws visiting uh, this past weekend and we went whale watching, which is really cool. Um, you go on this really big boat, go 35 miles an hour um, over the water and hopefully see some stuff. And, uh, really cool. We saw the pod that I had been talking about and been reading about for all these weeks. So one of the uh, we didn't see this one, but it's the J pod of orcas. They're like resident orcas of the Seattle, north of Seattle area. And these um, one of the the orcas, a female, uh, her calf died in childbirth or like right after childbirth. And for like two straight weeks, um, I think it was a little over two straight weeks, she was pushing this calf up and down like over a thousand miles of like this dead floating carcass, just kind of pushing it along in grief. Um, so on the boat tour, they kind of talked about that and how it was an unfortunate situation. And turns out actually that same day she had... The carcass finally kind of just disappeared somehow. I don't know. Um, and she was healthy and good to go again. Uh, but it was just kind of cool being with that pod. And there's another one that's been in the news too. Um, it's like a four-year-old whale that looks like the size of a one-year-old because it's just really underdeveloped. Like premature I mean, whale? We actually saw that. Yeah. I don't know if it's premature or what it – like they, they don't know. They've been trying to figure out what's wrong with this whale. They didn't have the delivery and, whales and nurses tell them? I have no clue. They should have done the whale doctor, yeah. but they actually, we actually saw this one. It was a uh, J 50, which uh, name was Charlotte. And it was by this huge, ma- uh, huge male orca, which has a six foot tall dorsal fin, just an impressive beast. And right next to this huge whale, like a huge orca is this tiny little whale. And that was the one. And it was just such a stark contrast of, you know, you have the finest, greatest orca probably in the pod almost. And 
They called it, I think his name was like Big Mike or something. <laughs> Good old Big, Big Mike. Mike. <laughs> Big Mike. And then uh, they have Charlotte here, which is just like this tiny little thing. And it was, it really like struck home the point of this whale is like not doing well. It was the Mike Wazowski the to the Sully. Yeah, basically, except for the names were flipped. <laughs> but that was, I mean, but if you ever get a chance to go out and go whale watching and there's actually whales around, it's a phenomenal experience. The The guides were really If I may, is that the key to whale watching is to have whales around? Yes, absolutely. Uh, there's a thing where they guarantee if you don't <laughs> see it that trip, you can always come back and try again. With uh, more money no, like, or they refund you? They'll refund you. Cannot, they don't refund you. They just say, here's a voucher for next time. So keep coming back until... Like here's a discount for another boat ride. Yep. Not a discount. <laughs> it's a full... You pay the fee, you ride. get to see a whale at some point. Granted, we originally thought we went in and we saw a minke whale, which is about the size of an orca. One of the smaller whales in terms of actual true whales. And... We saw just its like two seconds of it, like saw its tail basically go down. And I was, we were joking around thinking like, hey, if that's the only whale we see, does that still count as like, we saw whales? <laughs> if you just see the one little tail, like, oh, don't, you gone, guys technically saw a whale, you are done. You yep, saw that one whale. Back. <laughs> you don't get your money back. You saw one whale. Like We saw more of a fin. But we ended up seeing, I mean, they came up right up to the boat. It was phenomenal experience i don't think every whale watching experience was is as good as ours was but it was pretty cool did you take any video or anything photos it i should have taken video it's incredibly hard to get like a photo because by the time you spot them in the camera and see that they're going up they're already like their tails coming like you basically miss most of it i have a bunch of tail pictures and i'll probably post those on twitter or something like that but uh, if I may, uh, you said uh, that they came right up to the boat. Are they generally like curious? Come up and kind of like check you guys out, or are they just are kinda, they getting fed? They, like, what draws them to swim up next to the boat? Because if I, I feel like I'd kind of feel like that would be a like a hazard as a whale. Like I would I would swim away from if I were swim. a whale. Exactly. Yeah. Like I'd, your mom. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> well, couldn't resist. Anyway, <laughs> moving on before that gets into something. <laughs> so the whale, um, <laughs> the reason why that we saw as many whales as we did, I mean, we caught probably a third of the pod almost, it seemed like, was it's right where their fish and whatever they're chasing are. So I think the food, we ended up kind of like drifting into where they were eating and i think just by following the fish the salmon that they were going after like we All happen right, so to be there so like oh that and then they do their their sonar and they're like wait that big thing isn't a fish like let's go check it out oh um, I also, so okay the, I also the whales didn't come out to you you chased down the whales we didn't chase them down we like went up by them and then it just kind of like some of them actually did you like they're off in a distance, and some actually did turn into coming into our direction. Hard to say if they were just following fish, and that was kind of like the way their prey took them, or if they were actually curious. I almost have a theory that there's these a lot of little fishing vessels nearby, and I almost wonder if they try and steal 
fish from the fisherman. Or if they know stuff's going to slip out of the net or something. They know that if someone's baiting it, that there's going to be fish nearby. So they might check out a boat to see if that's that. It didn't seem like it was a very often occurrence because, I mean, they were 30 feet from the boat. And so I I don't think it was like a super, I mean, like three of them were, the rest of them were pretty far away. But did you try speaking well to them? No, but they did put a hydrophone in and you could hear it and just kind of hearing the complexity of the chirps and whistles and the different sounds was really cool. It's, it seems like each um, like pod of whales has their own language that they speak in a way. They all kind of sound a little different, which is really cool. Dialect? If you wanted to study whale dialect, right. you could. They might be saying like the same language. Who oh, lost them. But yeah, with yeah, my with my immaturity, like, I would definitely be trying to speak whale like Dorian finding Nemo. I mean, the thing whales. is, the underwater, not really. It's, I don't think. Have, maybe, maybe. Can, Can you speak kind of through the hydrophone? Like record yourself and present your voice underwater. Like how they try and speak to aliens. Yeah, you know, the sound waves probably could. I don't know. If, that might be considered noise pollution, which. The Coast Guard won't be. I, I we did see a moment of justice. So, um, you're not supposed to like if you're anywhere near a, like a whale pod or anything. You're supposed to be like seven miles per hour or less. I think. Okay. Like, really slow, and this one yacht just like blasted by us, and not more than two minutes later, this Coast Guard vehicle comes right up and turns its lights on and. Uh, it was cool. That was fun. That was fun to see. Nice. See the Coast Guard are like ticketing in action. Cool, cool. It was one of those like, oh, that guy should have like, that guy's speeding. He should have something. To, like. And then all of a sudden the boat just comes out. It's like, yep. You got what he's Instant doing. justice or instant karma, whatever can it is. Can you imagine being the Coast Guard and like listening in the water and all of a sudden you I am Brent. <laughs> Hello, whales. <laughs> Hello, orcos. Can you show me your, your tail? Uh, like, we need to go arrest this idiot. Well, with that, well, thank, thank you, Dylan, for uh, popping in with us. We appreciate you. Absolutely. Hopping in and giving oh. us a little bit of insight about your experience at the army and then uh, hanging out. Uh, but that was episode 13 of if I may hope everybody enjoyed. If you guys want to get in contact with us, feel free to hit us up on uh, DM us on Twitter at Zarubust, and then we'll uh, catch you next time. <laughs>